You're listening to Vince Tracy and Neil Colborne. It's Europe Calling. What's in the news this week, especially from the UK and from Spain? Europe Calling. A very good day. Welcome, everybody. The 15th of March, 2022, with the weather pretty grim at the moment here on the Costa Blanca. Okay, normally I look out of my window and I can see a a mountain. I can't see anything other than clouds. We've had red sand, uh, which has been falling from the skies, from Morocco blown across to us here in Spain. But I think it might even be uh, pouring with rain in a couple of days, which should get rid of it. Let's go about an hour from here uh, down to Polyp and find out how Neil is. So a very good day. Welcome to you, Neil. How are you? All right, Vince. Uh, yeah, same here. Can't see the mountains across the uh, across the way for the low cloud. But it's it's quite warm, actually. But as I say, we've, got, we've had a bit of doubt in the sun, so... Uh, Wednesday, Thursday, we're supposed to be getting a big download of rain. So hopefully, as you said, that'll just wash it all away, hopefully. Yeah. Okay. well, the news doesn't get any better as uh, we look at uh, what's happening in the world with, uh, obviously, uh, the Russians pounding the uh, poor people of Ukraine. I mean, no matter what your politics might be, one way or the other, no matter what theories exist, um, many of us aren't sure what the really real cause of what's going on can be attributed to. All we do know is that when you look at people who are helpless, uh, being shelled and bombed and um, just set upon, uh, really, I think people forget that, um, you know, I, I think people are forgetting that we're talking about people in those houses and uh, God knows what goes through the minds of people that set these things off. It's, it's, it's disgusting and it's horrendous. I mean, what it must be like to, you know, to be there and then you're waiting for a siren every minute and going living in a bunker, but you don't know that you're going to have water or food or anything like that. The world really needs to get its act together here with this Putin malarkey. Well... Uh, the, the the danger was always that a madman would, you know, take control of the nuclear problem and um, intensify it for everybody. And really, I think that's what we're living through now. You know, I know how I have my ideas of, of what is really behind it. And I think pretty well, well, most people must be thinking the same of their own way of looking at it. All they do know is if you put all the politics to one side and think of the people and look at the displacement of all those people, it is very reminiscent of Europe at the end of the Second World War. And uh, nothing could really be more horrible and catastrophic for everybody. I don't think um, anybody would want to see this for anybody, even people that you don't really like you don't really want them to suffer things like this do you no you see if he moves through ukraine and he's a madman anyway oh well i'll i'll, I'll go into poland you know it's it's, it's just re- history sort of repeating itself mm-hmm. until somebody stands up and says whoa hang on a minute pal this is as far as you're going and now you're retreating back to where you're from you know okay well look we're going to look mainly at 
things I've picked up out of the UK papers because the uh, television stations and everybody else is absolutely rammed with all what's happening in Ukraine. So let's not forget other things that are going to be um, in the news and often not really noticed. So that's what we're going to look at. So stand by. Okay, our first point uh, that we're looking at in the papers, fire crews dealt with a record 1,640 requests for help from obese British people trapped in their homes last year. The number has tripled from 587 five years ago and equates to over 30 calls a week. The total was more than the 943 occasions that emergency teams were called out in 2020-2021 to save stranded pets and higher than 1,290 times they were asked to deal with a vehicle leaking fuel or the 1,578 call-outs to rescue people stuck in lifts. Rescue teams have to use special lifting gear to help overweight people trapped in beds stir lifts and the bath some crews have had to remove doors and internal walls in order to free people two in three adults in the uk are now overweight or obese this is written this is not me just making anything up um but they don't seem to be giving uh, figures to back this up as a result Crews are training with 40 stone dummies filled with stone and metal ball bearings. Experts warn the number of so-called bariatric rescues will rise. And uh, Tam Fry of the National Obesity Forum called the stats shocking and a tragedy for families. Well, I don't know about you, but there is really something that springs to my mind fairly quickly. And I think you might feel the same. How do you view this one? Well, it's just self-inflicted, isn't it? You know, you you can't just go from being a normal-sized person to a forty-stone person. We're not we're not checking on what you what you're putting in. It's all this fast food, you know, processed food and all that. You know, we need to get back to eating. You know, the, the old the old way. You know where a van came round and you had potatoes still with soil on them and carrots and, and all that lot. You know, it, it, everything now is at the end of a phone, that'll do. And I, it, I think it started when they stopped that domestic science at school. At girls, I mean, I were in a boys' school and a girls' school were separate. And uh, every week, you know, the girls were going home with something that, that they'd made that was good and healthy and it didn't do us any wrong. But, I, I mean, I've never had a McDonald's. I've never had a KFC, and I've never had that other place, that ch- chicken man, whatever he's called. Yeah. Well, yeah, K- 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 Colonel yeah. Sanders. <laughs> um, look, you see, that's the, the the first thought that sprang to my mind, that most of this is self-inflicted. Obviously, there's going to be people who, for whatever reasons, there is a reason that is validated by the medical science. So... Obviously, we put those to one side. Anybody that is over, desperately overweight because, because of uh, something that is out of their control, obviously, you, you know, we wouldn't criticise and we, we can't criticise. But when you know people 
are just overeating. And there's also another side to this. There are people obviously going and getting the food or bringing the food to the overweight person. So really, there's more than just one person involved, isn't there? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, look, look people putting what, what they put it into their mouths. Yeah. Have a look at Bels, Belson and all them people. You know that were handed a handful of rice every day. You don't see obese people coming out of there. Oh, a lot of people will say, "Oh, it's my glands." No, it's not. It's your feet. Keep them out of the pie shop. You know, it's, you're just shoveling. You, you see them walking down precincts with four and five. Uh, sausage rolls or pies and you know it's like I ain't got a minute I don't eat that in a day you know it's absolutely you're right what what you put in is how big you go I think also the the TV has now got another part to play because you know there are all things that you don't normally have to think about and then suddenly you realize that they've had numbers of adverts on the British TV that I've picked up where they've tried to sort of make out that fat is beautiful and it doesn't really matter if, um, you, you know, you're overweight. Well, I think we all realise that there are people who are tends to be fat, people that tend to be thin, and people who are in the middle. But I know thousands and thousands of people from what I read, see, meet, etc., who have made big, big efforts to control the weight. And it looks to me like, you know, this message is a wrong message that they need to be told. Look, if you go overweight, you put all sorts of sort of uh, strains on on the system, if you like, all round everything that that your body is about. And so it's not right. They they can be as woke and complain as much as they like about me not being, um, you know, PC. But if you don't take care of your body uh, until it's far too late. You only have to sit down and look at the people that walk down the prom in Benidorm. And I remember going to Disneyland and watching people waddle past. They weren't walking past. You know, you can actually, you can see with people uh, very often with their hands and, and with the cheeks you yeah. know, you know they overeat. And before you meet the parents, you often would, would be able to tell through the children, wouldn't you? Exactly. I mean, well, in Las Vegas, there were women there. I've never seen them as big in my life. And all they did all day was just put their hand up to the to the girl, you know, the waitress, while they're playing these machines nonstop, five at a time. On and, and they were that big, they had to have two stools to sit on. And all they were fetching were trays full of food all day. And then it just works its way back. It, all these fast food places, all these processed food that you're shoveling down. Not only that, that when you're obese, you're putting pressure on your knees, your joints, your heart, everything, your feet, your ankles. You know, it's like, why do you let yourself get... I've got friends, you know, who I I grew up with, and we were all... I'm not saying skinny. I mean, I'm just short of six foot, and I'm I'm 12 and a half, between 12 and a half and 13 stone all the time. I've gone from being sort of slimmer than me, right, to absolutely 20 stone. Plus, it's like, what what, what, what happened? Born idle, sitting on settee all day, getting, I'm getting benefits for being fat. Yeah. So I'll stay fat. I don't need to go to work. Well, what kind of a life is that? <sighs> OK, we've got stacks to get through today, so I'm going to move on and um, we'll have another one. Stand by again. 
Okay, so from our own uh, shortcomings, now I'm turning to look at an article about somebody who should have been spending time looking after uh, people, a dishonest doctor from East Yorkshire who mistakenly injected a patient with local anaesthetic and steroids in the wrong hip and then tried to cover it up with lies, has been struck off. A tribunal found that the Hull doctor's actions showed a serious departure from good medical practice, and throughout his evidence uh, giving, he continued to show elements of dishonesty. Dr. Narayanasame Raghuraman was working at the Spire Hull and East a riding hospital um, in Anniaby, is it, uh, when he made his mistake. It remains unclear whether the patient suffered long-term damage as a result of the error. Further allegations of incompetence, errors and not fully obtaining consent before operations relating to three of the patients were also made against him but were not fully proven. However, he was found to have made a mistake while treating this patient at the hospital between 2012 and 2018. Concerns initially raised with the General Medical Council on the 25th of May 2018 following a local investigation by the Spire Hall and East Riding Hospital. Mark Monaghan, on behalf of the GMC, uh, told the hearing issues relating to patient uh, that we're talking about involve several distinct aspects of dishonest behaviour, clearly amounting to misconduct. He said this is not only misconduct in itself, but also goes to the issues of the doctor's integrity and the public's trust in the profession. He also pointed out the doctor was suspended from practice for four months in 2010 for misleading his supervisor over the submission of two research papers to journals and then giving a dishonest account when his behaviour was being investigated. Mr Monaghan has submitted that this doctor's fitness to practice is currently impaired. Uh, the doctor told the tribunal his clinic capabilities have never been below standards. He submitted that while he was a very busy surgeon, his clinical outcomes have been nothing short of excellent. However, he said, I deeply regret my actions towards this particular patient. OK, uh, it's not the first time that you've had uh, somebody who is in the medical uh, profession uh, who's been dishonest or obviously has tried to mislead people so um not a good not a good thing to be reading in the paper is it well you don't i, I mean when we i mean I, I must admit i'm giving you 10 out of 10 for getting his name right that must have been uh, easy for you to say wasn't it? it was very 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 difficult <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that the least we can say is that it's not a very British name, but uh, leave people to imagine where he might come from. But that's not the go. point because you know there are so many uh, there are so many great, good, other doctors from other uh, nationalities that go into the British uh, National Health Service. But I mean, we have heard many many times of doctors who have turned i mean dr shipman is one very very quick one that springs well, yeah, to memory yeah you, you really you can't understand how somebody who's got the confidence of people people that we really desperately trust in our hour of need you really don't understand how they can be either so incompetent or, or so dishonest it's not not a very good read for me that one yeah, instead of owning up to it early doors where it could possibly be put right, 
you know, it, 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 they go, they, they take you all around the houses and try and, you know, put this, that, and the other in the way of the investigation into them. They, but when I, when you go to that doctor, you give him 100% trust. You trust him 100% to make you well. But you know that they've had to, you know, work years and work their way in and, and do all that. And then for somebody to do all that, they should be struck off. And well, it, they shouldn't be allowed to work again. Another yeah. interesting thing is, for example, if you go to the doctor and you don't give the doctor the information that the doctor needs to help diagnose the problem. And, you know, for example, I, um, we had a friend, uh, she smoked, but she always misled the doctor into thinking that she didn't smoke. And, you know, uh, you think to yourself, how on earth... You can blame the doctor for not being able to totally, um, you know, diagnose the the situation and give you the treatment. Having said that, um, this one is totally the opposite. When somebody you give that trust, you completely rely on the doctor's integrity, and the doctor lets you down. Uh, so um, there, there, there are a couple of things involved. There certainly you have to be open and honest with your doctor to get the right diagnosis, but you've got to be able to trust your doctor. And I know now and again I've been to doctors here in Spain, and because somebody didn't didn't speak English. They've been, uh, you know, because they didn't speak Spanish, I beg your pardon, and because the doctor didn't speak English, that created quite a problem for them. Have, have you come across any of that sort of stuff? Touch wood. I've not had to use any of the medical things. And to be honest, the, the last time I were at the doctor's, we're, we're in the UK, and I've been here 14 years now, at me, well, man thing, you know, that every five years after you're 50 yeah. and all that. Yeah. Uh, so, touch wood. I've not, uh, I've not had to use doctors or hospitals or anything, you know. But yeah. I still have to look after myself. I mean, but, but when every time I went, I mean, even if you had an ingrowing toenail, it'd say to you, "Do you smoke?" What's that got to do with my toenail? But yeah, I do smoke, you know. And I, I tell them truth. There's no point, you know. Like you say, he's trying to con people. He's say, "Oh well, no, no, I don't smoke. I, I only smoke five a day or whatever. No, I smoke twenty, twenty-five a day, and I enjoy every one of them." But, you the, know. but there are there are reasons why they'll ask the questions. You know, for example, um, you know, I didn't know until I've read all about these different things now um, that you know you can actually pick up from somebody's toes or eyes or hands. You know, tongues. Yeah, all, all or another. They always look at your tongue, and I always wondered why that was. Yeah. And I read I read this 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 article on. On a on a doctor, that you know that said the reason if your tongue and, and there are all pictures of them. If your tongue is like that, you need to take this off. You know, look after yourself and keep hydrating and doing this and that. Yeah, and their eyes and and the, the nails and, and stuff like that. I thought, whoa, that's unbelievable. You know? Yeah, but then again, you see when uh, because I've got in, in into looking at things like this in a different way because I got involved in acupuncture because w when you then look at sort of even karate and go in for certain points and you know there's all sorts of clues that we can we can get really to help ourselves and um, you know if people well anyway we've talked about the the doctor that let us down let's find another one stand by all right.
Okay, so it seems very medical. I didn't really realise that I'd been picking up these stories all from the medical profession, but all 400,000 Britons with type 1 diabetes will soon be offered a high-tech implant that apparently monitors the blood sugar levels in real time. Um, This, according to the paper that I was reading, the small gadget had been restricted by the NHS because of cost and made available only to those most in need. But Dr. Partha Carr, NHS's England's national um, uh, speciality advisor for diabetes, says patients will now have access to the expensive technology within weeks marking the end of finger prick blood tests. The results show how much insulin, which helps the body absorb sugars in food, uh, they will need to inject to keep their blood sugar stable and avoid potentially fatal spikes or falls. The implant, called a continuous blood glucose monitor, is no larger than a two-pound coin and sits on the arm, beaming updates to the user's phone. Whilst the technology has been available in the UK for more than a decade, spending watchdogs judged it to be uh, too expensive to offer to every patient. But NHS chiefs have announced that they now plan to fund monitors for all. OK, what do you reckon on that one? Well, we're going back to the obesity thing again. A lot of people that are obese end up, you know, um, with, with, with all, kinds of, all kinds of health problems. And type 1 diabetes and type 3 and, and all that lot. But they want all that for now. They'll, they'll put 100 quid with the, you know, uh, hamburgers and, and all the other, you know, fast food stuff inside the body. But they won't pay towards their own health, really, because they're all on benefits with it. You know, you've got to, you've got to come to a certain place where, you know, you can't have everything for nothing. But, oh, no, it, we just keep carrying on and this and that. No, they have, a, they have a thing on your phone, don't they? It'll tell you if you've... Your, your, your blood sugars and yeah. God knows what are up or this, that and the other. You can have an app according to some of the things I'm telling Neil, I'm wondering whether or not maybe if I point this out to you, you might also smell a rat. I smell a bit of a rat here because basically I've been reading about these substances which are so thin, micro, absolutely, you know, very, very thin that you can't really know uh, what's actually there in a microchip even. Um, I mean, we've had them in dogs being worked on, uh, you, you know, they must have worked on the technology by having the dogs and the and the animals uh, with a chip in them. I'm not too sure I'd feel very happy having, having a chip working, you know, my health through an app coming th- through the, um, the through the airwaves to tell me my blood sugars, particularly good, bad or indifferent. Um, is it just another cop out to stop having doctors available to everybody? Or is it uh, maybe even a bit more sinister? The first steps of getting us to to have um, blessed implants. I'm not I, I don't really like the look of that. I mean, what are they, they going to do? You, have the, you know, they're telling you they'll put a, a chip inside and this, that and the other. You'll end up and then you'll have something else wrong with you. They'll put another chip in for that. Well, they look like robots. You know what I mean? Well, you see, the thing is, when we go back to the jabs, I mean, look, look how quickly all the jabs have now died down. You know, 
there was a, there was an awful lot of information that I was picking up that an awful lot of fit people were dropping down like flies because of what we were having, you know, people were having injected into them. And we all know that obviously the COVID situation has got far more to it than people were ever told. In fact, a lot more people are now beginning to think, hang on, we've been duped here. Now, if from what I've been reading, a lot of this is to do with the control of people. And basically, you know, uh, they're talking now of putting a chip in you. That sounds all very pleasant from the likes of, um, you know, having uh, diabetes controlled from a, uh, a chip. I don't like that. I don't I'm afraid I don't think that is what um, was ever intended by nature. That's for sure. Exactly. I mean, if you look after your body, your body will look after itself, won't it? You know what I mean? If you don't go, you know, don't go berserk by overdoing all all kinds of things. I mean, you can you can over uh, train yourself, can't you? Well, look, uh, that, that, that's, that's... Andrew Marr, he he went he went into this mad fitness kick about cycling here, there, and everywhere. And his, his wife said to him, "You need to cut this down, you know, because I think she's a, a type of doctor or something. You need to cut it down." And then. About three months three months in, all of a sudden, he had a massive stroke. There's a great link coming up that you've introduced. So, um, stand, stand by. We'll make that our next topic. Okay, so this is, uh, again, just something I picked up and I didn't realise how related all this was until I'm doing this now with you. 10,000 daily steps is not the sweet spot for health, according to a study that suggests just 6,000 is enough. American researchers have found that getting between 6,000 and 8,000 steps each day reduces the risk of an early death for people over the age of 60 by up to 54%. Any more than 8,000 steps per day has no added benefit, according to the study, despite what fitness gurus might say. Now, the team is from the University of Massachusetts, and uh, it reviewed findings from 15 studies which looked at the effects of daily steps on mortality from all causes for nearly 50,000 people in four continents. Getting in your steps, regardless of the pace at which you walk them, was the key to a lower risk of death. Dr. Amanda Palach, uh, the uh, lead author of the study, said what we saw was this incremental reduction in risk as steps increase until it levels off and the levelling occurred at uh, different step values for older versus younger adults. Interestingly, The research found no definitive association with walking speed beyond the total number of steps per day. People under the age of 60 should aim to get at least 8,000 steps each day for the greatest reduction in risk of a premature death, so the study found. Now, these are the sorts of things that go in the newspapers and these sort of experts seem to think that everybody um, immediately um, will take their word as gospel. Whereas I don't know about you. Well, in fact, I do know about you. And and I'm going to say that you, like myself, um, we have been finding our fitness path for many, many years. So really, when I look at studies like this, I'm I'm looking for the, the the flaws in them because there are things that don't make sense to me. Um, I mean, for example, the 
I, I do wear a watch because I think it's not a bad thing to, to monitor your, your progress. But I used to always keep a, a fitness log in my diary. I used to always write down, you know, I'd gone for a walk or gone for a jog or gone for a swim or whatever. Um, and yes, I do take it very, very seriously. And I do think that um, you also then look at how you walk and where you walk and what you're doing when you're walking and all sorts of things. And obviously the food that you eat, they never seem to correlate the food to the actual exercise. And this report sort of makes me think of people who are academic, sitting at a desk, obviously doing the statistics. That looks good. We'll write up a report, getting paid a bit of money for it, and um, not really realising that they're not totally right in what they've said. What do you think? Yeah, because they're, they're sat behind a desk all day doing all this. They're not doing any exercise, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I really, I mean, you know, I were a goalkeeper, so I, it, when they wanted me to go running miles and miles and miles or round in circles, round football pitch, I used to say, listen, you're better off getting Billy Smart with his horses. They'll do it all day. I said, I only have to run 18 yards and back. I'm, I'm all right with that. <laughs> but when we went in that lockdown, I mean, our lockdown was a lot more serious than uh, what they had in the UK. I, I put about a stone, nearly a stone and a half on. And the minute I got let loose, I said to Ailey, I said, like, every morning I'm going doing three kilometres. Anyway, I didn't realise, but I, I do four kilometres, you know, yep. and then I do my sit-ups and stuff like that to get this, this weight off. And it, it didn't cause me any problems. It, it, you know, it, it weren't like, oh, I'm, I'm going to kill myself. I was just walking nice and bonny up the hill, down the hill, onto the mountain, come back round, come in, have my breakfast, you know. But uh, I, somebody bought me one of them watches you're on about, by the way. And well, I don't know how it sets it up, it's still in box. <laughs> oh, well, look, uh, we, we'll have to try and address that for you because it's actually worthwhile. I mean, you know, I do monitor my steps now, but not really, it's not religiously because basically um, I walk in time. So, for example, if um, I'm going out for a walk, it'll be either an hour's walk or maybe a two-hour's walk. It might be whatever. But that's what I look at. Now, I have started relating my footsteps um, uh, uh, as a, a count because my friend Smithy bought me um, one of the, the watches. And um, basically, it, it was great, you know. Um, but when I used to go out with John, John shuffles. And I used to say to John, John, you're not taking steps, really. You're shuffling. And basically, till you get your weight down, you've really not got um, the best out of what the technology can do to help you. And uh, basically, he has got problems with his with his ankles, which cause him to maybe walk more slowly than, say, for example, myself. So, I mean, all these sorts of things should be the part of these studies now for example everybody should do some stretching everybody needs especially older people we need to stretch we the very least you can do is just bend over and uh, you know you don't touch your toes straight away but if you keep bending over sooner or later you'll get a better um nearer the, the ground position that eventually you'll see you can get more flexible but yeah. you know we pe people weren't really taught flexibility you would have had it a little bit with the goalkeeping, but I had to do, every time I did me judo, I used to always have about 20 minutes of a warm-up. 
and you know from time to time uh, if we were going near say competitions we we would run round the mat and we'd always have people that technically were better who didn't really need to do the fitness because their techniques were so good uh, that they could get without get by without it whereas others like myself if you work with your your fitness you've got more stamina and you can really put in a better performance, you know. But I think the thing really is that all these things tend to work in isolation. And a lot of people these days, they only go by what they see in a gym. And if they haven't got a monitor in front of them with pretty pictures or something uh, while they're either jogging on a machine or cycling on a machine, they, they don't seem to see that, you know, there's more to it than being a member of a gym. You, you know, I, yeah. I, I, never, I can remember going out um, just running. I, I, I started off as a, as a kid, uh, played a lot of football as a primary school, and then, you know, when uh, pl played out in the streets, and then when I went to, to the secondary school, um, we had a cross-country team, which I, I was a member of, you know. So I was lucky. I fell into things that did tend to keep me fit. Um, some people have never done fitness, and because of that, they've never seen the importance, of course, till they get older. And then when they're sitting round enjoying maybe the pension, allowing them to have a drink or two and a few uh, better meals and all that sort of thing that, that, that they maybe don't realise while they're packing on the pounds. We go back to the first thing we talked about this morning. You know, you can put on a lot of weight because you've got even people like Weight Watchers telling you you shouldn't step on the scales every day. How stupid is that? It's by stepping on the stales every day that you'll know whether you're putting a lot of weight on. That, that, that's the way I look at it. But I, I end up normally doing them once a month. And and because I'm, I'm back into this routine now, four kilometres a day, I do 380 sit-ups in the morning and 380 sit-ups just, be, you know, an hour or so before I go to bed. But that's only for flexibility as well on my back and my arms and my neck and my, you know, and the walking. And I only know it's four kilometres because... The next-door neighbour, Julie, she has one of them watches and she sets it up every time we go and it tells you how, how far you've walked up to now in how many minutes. And I'm like, what's, what's all that about? <laughs> I said, well, you, you're just walking round and, and getting yourself, you know, staying as healthy as you can, you know. Plus, plus with my lifestyle as well. <laughs> well, well, yeah, but I mean, I mean, especially if you're outside and taking in the fresh air. I mean, all the this... fresh air as all this, well, that's another one. All this and nonsense. Living over here... Living over here, this, you know, like now, we're eating a bit of studge because it's winter, so you'll put a few pounds on, but the minute that sun starts cracking flags again, well, we're back on salads, and it'll, the weight just drops off you while you're doing the exercise. But, I mean, you know. while we're talking about it, I mean, all this um, stuff that we were all led to believe with the, with the masks and everything, you know, the one thing that I've learned from early on in life is if you get out in the fresh air and breathe the oxygen up in the mountains or out at the seaside, that's so good for you. I mean, you, you know, obviously we've got probably more pollution to worry a little bit more about, but in a normal sense... Those sorts of things make you feel a lot better and certainly, you know, are beneficial to us. I'm going to move yeah. on because basically okay. um, I've got another, well, another couple of good stories anyway. Let's see, um, let's see what we've got with this one. OK, 
okay, totally different this one. Tony Wilding, 38, from Wrexham, North Wales, was on the search for his out-of-this-world find after seeing a ball of flames fly through the air. After checking with experts around the world, he says he now believes the £2, 4-ounce object adorned with amazing markings that he had as a picture with him in the paper I read is a comet crust meteorite. He found the rock in a ploughed cornfield and is hoping to get the rock certified to find how much it's worth. He said, I was in my back garden having a midnight cigarette when I noticed the sky lighting up above my head. I looked up to see a low-flying ball of flyer with two swirling trails of smoke. It got brighter as it approached my house at about twice its height. It was so low you could have kicked a football in the air and could have reached it. As it crossed over, it extinguished within a few seconds. There was no noise. It just disappeared, leaving only the trails of smoke. Fireballs, also known as Bolides, apparently, are defined by the Centre for Near-Earth Object Studies as exceptionally bright meteors that are spectacular enough to be seen over a very wide area. He regularly walked along the object's flight path around Wrexham and after 18 months finally found what he was after. Poof! Um... I mean, I often find, I look up in the sky, you've seen things that are shooting stars. Um, I don't think I've seen anything exciting as what this guy's found, but it look, looks like he could be in for a few bob there, doesn't it? Yeah, if it's proved that it is a meteorite. But, you know, when he said he went out for a midnight smoke, you don't know what he was smoking, do we, really? <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, yes. I mean, a meteorite, and the, I mean, you've only got to go, up in mountains to find all kinds of rocks and, and Tenerife and, and, you know, where all the mountains are up there and all that. They, they look as though they've been there billions and billions of years, just dropped out to the sky. Yeah. Well, maybe maybe it weren't quite a normal cigarette, he was saying, but I, I can't see him making a fortune out of a chunk of, chunk of rock. Well, uh, I, I've been watching, um, I, I watched Dickinson Re- Real Deal on the telly, you know. I quite like uh, seeing people bring in the old objects and find out how much they're worth. And there was somebody turned up with uh, a rock, and uh, I think it went for a couple of thousand. So maybe, just maybe, that guy is going to have a, a little bit of pocket money. Anyway, um, right, let's find you another one, and off we go. <laughs> You're listening to Vince Tracy and Neil Coble. It's Europe Calling. What's in the news this week, especially from the UK and from Spain? Europe Calling. Social media influencers are causing great harm by persuading thousands of young people they need to change their gender to be happy. This is the MPs, of course, uh, have been told all this. Some spread the idea that gender identity should take precedence over biological sex in the NHS, prisons and sport. The LBG Alliance have been talking about this and the charity which defends the rights of lesbians gay men and bisexuals accused influencers of falsely telling children that puberty blockers were not permanent. 
um, something is badly wrong with a media system in which influencers are able to disseminate harmful disinformation to impressionable and troubled teenagers and to create an atmosphere in which even professionals working in the field to challenge this narrative. Now, the claims were made in a submission to an inquiry into influencers by the Commons, that's the House of Commons in the UK, Culture Committee. In it, the LGP Alliance stated, we have serious concerns about the role that influencers in the media, especially social media, are playing in promoting a culture based on certain beliefs. These beliefs, which are linked to, to queer theory, teach that everyone has a gender identity separate from their biological sex and that this gender, gender identity should take priority in all areas of life. These beliefs are being promoted to children and young people as if they were facts. We believe this is causing great harm since young people tend to be more tech savvy. They have taken control of social media. Um, this is actually, it is a development which is quite worrying because um, I did predict that we would have these sort of problems when I was at the college when the college authorities didn't seem to understand that the kids knew more about computers than the people who were supposed to be their teachers. And now we've got this even more uh, crazy situation because, um, well, first of all, you know, we, we, we had all the furore about um, the homosexuals not getting fur treated fairly and then eventually, you know, that seemed to be fairly well addressed and then... Straight away, we then had the LGB uh, and all the rest that have come out. Um, and basically, it's got, for, m for my mind, far more complexity now than ever it needed to have in the first place. It would, would appear that, um, you, you know, if you look at the animal kingdom, for example, uh, you don't seem to have this proliferation of animals that are sort of neither male nor female. Uh, it, if we're supposed to be the highest order of animal, uh, which may, man is, then it doesn't really seem to be in the right sort of figures that we see in the animal kingdom, which would suggest to me that a lot of it is because of people interfering in people's minds at too early an age. Am I making any sense with what I'm saying? Well, I think you're making sense, but I always just look at it. That when when I was born, I was pronounced a male, and the girl down the street was pronounced female, and that's with me all my life. That's it. I'm, I'm a man. You know, I'm different than a, than a woman, and that's it. Now, these are trying to bend people's minds into thinking that, well, you were born a man, but don't worry about that. That's got nothing to do with it. You really, you really should be on this transgender thing and gender fluid and all. What's all that about? You know, if, if you if you got a will, you're a lad. If you're not, you're a girl. Well, I, I remember, um, you know, and, and I've I have tried to. I've tried to be quite responsible in the way that I've tried to tell people what I really believe is going on. And it's this business of um, there's some greater force. Don't know what it is. We've all got our ideas. We all know that either 
I'm totally and utterly off my head saying these things. But, I mean, to actually read in a Communist Party manifesto that the idea to beat capitalism is to defeat the family, I think this is what's happening. I mean, you only have to look now at the numbers of people who come up with this sort of problem as opposed to when we were young. Um, if, if you didn't ever particularly need to feel, feel the need or have the need to discuss it, we didn't discuss it and it wasn't encouraged. So therefore, did we have a huge problem that's now just exploding so many generations later or was it something that was best left either don't dabble in these areas and maybe just accept that some people are different? Oh, and maybe all the freedom that's come has come with the promiscuity and all the liberal attitudes that we know for many years they've been trying uh, to get people to accept. And if you go along my uh, route and think about whether it's trying to defeat our way of life, I think what we're living through now has got a lot of things that would maybe suggest that maybe that was right and when we used to always be told that the communists were people we should keep our eye on maybe we've took taken our eyes off the ball in far too many ways now again there's a lot of difficult things in there but what do you think well i mean when i was growing up there were men that were cross dressers yeah and they were like hang on a minute you know you you're growing a beard every 12 hours, you know, or uh, drag acts, you know, men dressed as women doing a, a comedy act. And they were okay, that, that's fine. But once we finished that, they went back to being the man again. You know, it, but all this now, they, they, they're trying to get all these young, you know, they, they're putting in their ideas that have you ever thought that you might be better off as a girl or better off as a boy from a girl? And, oh, no. It, well, it's probably an age thing with me, like, but as I say, I still stick with what I say. I was born a male and I'll, I'll be a male when I go in box, you know. I don't know whether it is just an age thing because, um, I mean, if you look at the TV at the moment, now, when we were, when we were younger, uh, we didn't have TV at, in our house till I was 16. Um, yeah. So basically, there was no way that there was anything going into my head other than what I was told at school, my friends or my family. So my mum and dad were, uh, uh, you know, um, obviously straightforward. Uh, the school, we never, ever heard of any of this stuff. It just didn't. It was never taught. It was never discussed. It was just never part of our life. Um, we always knew the odd lad at school was a bit different. Now, when we say a bit different, um, he, he might have been, you know, I mean, I remember one lad, a uh, very, very tough lad, actually, good rugby player, but, you know, he would blush over certain things. And, um, you know, it, it, I mean, I remember, remember when I was a younger person myself, I used to suffer from blushing. Um, you know, I, I had a, a team of girls I was in charge of in one of my early jobs, and they knew damn well if they could get me blushing, they could get off with a punishment, you know what I mean? Because I wouldn't want to be hanging yeah. around, you know. But, I mean, yeah. if you look at the TV for the moment, for example, if you look at um, the soaps... All the soaps have, over the last few years, have had gays and, um, you know, it's got more and more daring, y you know, things that would never, ever, ever have happened when I was young are being shown blatantly on the TV now as if it's normal behaviour. Is it normal? To me, it isn't. 
But then again, the world is changing. And, and why is it changing? It's because people are making it change, aren't they? Yeah, they, they, you know, they, they, they put more and more things into younger people. There's, I remember that first kiss. I can't remember if it was on Emmerdale, a, a lesbian kiss on Emmerdale. And everybody were like shocked, you know, as all, you know, it was like the end of the world. But, you know, there's, there's, been, there's been gay people and there's been, you know, lesbians and homosexuals for, for donkey's years. I mean, at school, like you said, the, the big hard lad up there that blushes, but also, you, you had the odd lad who were very effeminate. Yeah. You know, so you, you go along with, with whatever suits. But, you know, you, at the end of the day, what you're born with is what you are, really. Well, it, you know? well, it is. And I think um, adding in to the same comments that I was making about the way that the soaps are, are being used to change people. I mean, you know, um, the last couple of weeks... Well, sorry, the last couple of years now, probably, but certainly um, in the recent past, uh, it's almost as if Britain, via the soaps and the adverts, are totally changing the colour. I I've never seen uh, so many black people in adverts. Now, yeah. Um, yeah. fair enough. I mean, there are some beautiful, uh, beautiful-looking black people. Absolutely, um, you know, just made for being on TV because they look so nice. But it, once again, if their criticism would have been that maybe there were far too many white people, uh, then now the criticism must be: if you sit and watch TV. You can watch maybe uh, a two minute, two or three minutes of advertising, and the whole adverts are black now, which is not the biggest of problems, but it's blatant how it's happening. No, oh, yeah, I get you with that. Yeah, it's it's like yeah, well, because, because there weren't that many on originally, you know, years ago. Now we've got to overload it with them. No, put put an equal thing on. Do you know what I mean? You, you know, you, you got all, you know, this Black Lives Matter and people like that and, and all these coming out, you know, with black people, this and, and all the other ones. You know, nobody's ever said anything about white people unless it's derogatory. Yeah. I, I, I do feel that, you know, we've been we have been a bit picked on because, um, yeah, OK, there were things that were wrong in society. I, I don't think for a minute that any any white person can turn around and, and say it didn't happen. Um, you know, we, we've learned our history. We've even known through learning history that it happened. Um, but for me, you see, um, in my school, uh, all we were ever told about was trying to be nice to other people of all nationalities of all races of all creeds of all colors it didn't make any odds and no. and, and you know they've made a, it's almost like they've made the problem which again goes in line with this great reset which again you know if people don't read the information that's on the websites then that's why things are being reset you know and um, whether we like it or not things that um you know things that are planned for the future uh, of our children. Um, well, all I can say is there's a lot that's coming, which basically um, we've been told. You worry for them, don't you? You you do actually, Neil. Um, you know, very often, even within our own families and whatever, we've got people yeah. saying, "Well, you know, um, 
don't worry too much because you won't be here. Well, that's the whole point. If you're yeah. not here, then obviously people don't see the comparisons anymore. Yeah. Okay, uh, let's go to the last couple then and uh, see where we'll go next. Uh, let me just get some something organised. Won't be a second. Okay, I found this one very, very sad. And uh, Abdekarim Abdallah Ahmed. Uh, this is a young lad of 18 stabbed in the chest on Market Street in Bury, Lancashire, at around 3.50 on Friday, March the 11th. The 18-year-old was stabbed to death during a short confrontation between two groups of youths in the town centre. He was treated at the scene by emergency services and taken to hospital where he later died. Through an emotional statement today issued by Greater Manchester Police, his mother, whose name was not given, said Abdekarim was a lovely, caring person who helped and looked after his family with, from a young age. Officers have charged a 16-year-old who cannot be named for legal reasons with the murder of Abdekarim. He has been remanded in custody and will uh, appear before Magister and Salford Magistrates Court on Monday. A um, couple of things in there. First of all, you know, it doesn't matter what colour anybody is to be stabbed at the age of 18, not even getting a chance to really go anywhere in life. Um, that is so sad. What on earth is driving young people to get out and do that to each other? I don't know. It's, it's. I mean, it's happening all the time in London, Manchester, Sheffield, wherever you, you know, all the bigger type cities all the time. Uh, you see, yeah. at one time, if you had an argument with somebody, it were a bit of fisticuffs, rolling and mauling all over the floor, and once one had, right, I've had enough, you get up, and then within a couple of days, you'll be back mates again. You know, it, it happens all the time. You know, that was just a, a fight. That's it. Now, they're going with, with knives everywhere. All these young'uns, they think they're big, tough men because they've got a knife. Get in a boxing ring. Let's see how tough you are there. And what, what really gets up my, my craw is he can't be named for legal reasons. I was just going to come to that. And yeah, well, good. If he's old enough to kill somebody and go out with a knife, then he's old enough to be shown up on the TV. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, if people say, yeah, but he mightn't be guilty. Um, well, I suppose, you see, the thing is that, um, you know, until we know the circumstances, the victim's name's gone out. So, yes. you know, why why one way but not the other? The other thing that really I must admit I can't really get my head around is when you walk through the shopping centres here in Spain, I don't know if it's the same in the UK, but you see places selling knives just as if, you know, it's a, a, a cutlery. I mean, yeah. I, I just don't understand that. Or, I mean, I mean uh, they, they, these knives that they're using, they've got ribbed edges and God knows what. They look like some warrior from, you know, from uh, the, the Philippines and things that they had, you know, to, to, to go and kill bears or whatever they had to eat or deer or something. No. You can pick them up in shop for next to nothing. Nobody's asking you, are you, are you a certain age? What's it for? You know, it's, uh, it's all right. Here, take that one, you'll be all right. That'll kill somebody. Well, well I'd say anybody anybody that was stopped that had a knife on them like that should immediately be hit with a huge fine. Um, well, you know, not on your fine. Put them in clink. 
Well, well you can eat it. You're not a chef. You know. <laughs> Look, I I do agree with you completely. The uh, the only argument I, I've heard is that some people feel threatened, and so it's for to defend themselves. But the thing is, well, get a pepper spray then. Well, yeah, and also I was going to say, if you've taken a knife as to defend yourself, then you've obviously been pre- prepared to uh, preparing yeah. yourself to use it, haven't you? Exactly, because you must have done something wrong somewhere down the line to think. Hang on, I might get a good hide in here, so I'll check a knife out with me. No, check some pepper spray then. That'll do. Okay, look, we've just got time for one more, so I'm going to keep this a little bit lighter. But having said that, it's still important. UK passports. Thousands have gone missing over the last year amid the disastrous delivery service. Scurry stats show the number of misplaced passports have doubled into 12 in just 12 months. The passport office has pinned the blame on delivery firm TNT, who bagged an exclusive multi-million pound contract to distribute the documents. But despite the Megabucks deal, a whopping 1,200 passports or supporting documents were lost in the first six months of last year. Excuses for the missing mail range from application from mistakes, people moving address or errors by passport office and TNT staff. Some exasperated Brits have even had the passports delivered to the wrong house. It's left thousands of travellers out of pocket after being forced to cancel their holiday plans last minute. Desperate punters have even told how they drove from depot to depot to try and find their documents after booking flights abroad. Incidentally, I think it's the passport office that's on control. It, it's on um, strike this week. So um, There's quite a few, isn't there? All these... Uh like civil servant type places, you know, where we've got to now go online, you know, all this lot. There's a lot of them uh, on strike over wages because of the the increase in fuel and, and eating allowance and uh, eating things and all that lot. Yeah, I read that. This, I saw that this morning on news. Yeah, It does make you wonder whether or not, um, I mean, come on, a passport is and if they know that they're delivering passports, yeah. you've got to really be either really bad to deliver an, uh, incorrectly or not to get the delivery right. Because, quite frankly, um, what's it like here in Spain? If they've got something they want you to know, to, to, to uh, show that you've received, you've got to sign, you've got to put your NI number next to it, yeah. and yeah. they know that you've received it, and there's no way you can deny it. So, exactly. Or is it one of the drivers bit bent or whatever and now selling them to these illegal immigrants? Well, yeah, I mean, there's all sorts of things that you can immediately um, relate to because um, passports are like gold dust, aren't they? And uh, but having they're said in, that, having said that, they're Neil, aren't they? they're, they're only important to you. Well, they're important to us because basically yeah. we've been made to only uh, live by showing passports, whereas now it's almost like people can come in and uh, they can be given all sorts without even having to show any uh, any details of who they are and what they might have done and what they might have been getting up to in their own country. Yeah, I only went from here to Tenerife just just before Christmas, and I had to show all my paperwork. You know, the the, the injections, the NIE, the TIE, my passport, everything. You know, but it's no big deal. I just put them all inside my passport, put them in a little wallet, and when I get there, I just show them to them, and away you go. But, you know, to losing, you know, these, all these passports going missing, it, it needs sorting out, doesn't it? Well... 
for my money, uh, <laughs> you know, it's all been about control. They've controlled us and the, our generations perfectly well, whereas now it seems that uh, they're trying to find more ways to bump us off than anything else. Neil, yeah. that's about it for time. Okay. Okay, always a great pleasure having a chat and obviously keep yourself nice and healthy, stay safe and look forward to chatting next week, Neil. All right, Vince, no problem. All the the best. Thanks, Neil. Bye-bye. See you later. Bye-bye. So there we have it. That's uh, Europe Calling with Neil Colborne and Vince Tracy for this week. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 